Other investors may be going risk off. If you're going impact on, you'll want to grab Impact Alpha's best deal of the year. 50% off an annual subscription. That's $200 off the regular price. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe. From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, December 4th. I'm Brian Walsh. Today, I'm joined by Dennis Price to talk about refugee lens investing and other impact investment prototypes that are going mainstream. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Brian. And later, we'll remember the late Tony Shi, the iconoclastic entrepreneur who built Zappos and redeveloped downtown Las Vegas, who's this week's agent of impact. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in impact investing. Financing for the low carbon energy transition is flat or falling despite the accelerating climate emergency. The Climate Policy Institute estimates that in 2019, public and private climate investment came in at just over $600 billion. And in 2020, numbers could be even lower. That's barely a third of the $1.6 to $3.8 trillion a year needed for the low carbon transition. A new corporate partnership aims to accelerate climate solutions. Third derivative, is bringing four dozen climate startups together with corporates like AT&T, BP Ventures, and Microsoft, as well as other investors. Third derivative is a calculus term describing the rate of change at the rate of change, or to put it another way, the acceleration of acceleration. Cultural institutions are starting to get off their assets. While universities, private foundations, and even large nonprofits have deployed hundreds of billions of dollars into ESG, impact, and community-based investment strategies, America's art institutions have been slow to shift their estimated $58 billion in endowment assets. That's starting to change. From Andy Warhol to the Louvre, the new commitments and strategies are chronicled in a new report from Upstart Collab. There's an impact IPO in Europe. Inclusio, a social housing developer in Belgium, raised 60 million euros, or $72 million, with its listing on their Euronext Brussels exchange. It's one of the first impact finance products in the public markets and lets investors get their capital back without the sale of the underlying assets, which include affordable housing, schools, and clinics. And finally, NASDAQ told the Securities and Exchange Commission that it aims to require the more than 3,000 companies listed on its exchange to disclose the diversity of their boards of directors. This new rule would require companies to have at least one director that identifies as female and one who identifies as an underrepresented minority or LGBTQ. Three out of the four companies on NASDAQ right now fail those requirements. You can read all of these stories and more at impactalpha.com. One theme we're exploring in Impact Alpha is that solutions prototyped by impact investors can prove invaluable as disruptions play out around racial injustice, climate change, or say, global pandemics. Dennis, this week you wrote about another such disruption, migration and refugees. Can we really see impact investing solutions as prototypes in this area? Absolutely. Uh, For that type of challenge, as well as others, I think it was uh, I think it's Matthew Weatherly White who's been calling impact investing R and D for financial markets um, for years. You know, in some cases for decades now, impact investors and, and community investors have been developing financial solutions that many in more mainstream financial markets are now looking to um, as these challenges become front and center, um, and policymakers as well. Here's how David Bank put it in a conversation yesterday with impact entrepreneurs Lori Lane Zucker. Lots of models that 
have been incubated for many years are now mature enough for prime time, basically. That's, that's, I think, what, what we've seen. And some, some of it's very, you know, some of the technologies, you know, solar panels, um, and, and, and other things, but some of it is just how do you actually do community finance in a way that brings communities in and, and, and disperses wealth more broadly as opposed to benefiting a few real estate developers. So people have lots of practices and, and approaches that are now needed by what we used to call mainstream finance. We like to call it legacy finance. And so back to you, Dennis, your piece this week about refugee investments, position them as blueprints or prototypes for the incoming Biden administration to use. How would that work? Right. So, I mean, if you just think about the issue of immigration for the last four years, the, the Trump administration has been literally putting up walls and enacting restrictions on refugees and immigration. At the same time, a whole group of impact investors, humanitarians, development practitioners have been building proof points and now have proof points for funds and companies driving affordable housing, healthcare, mobile banking, the types of services that, that people on the move need um, and, and, and that need financing. So there's now a whole marketplace of financing solutions for migrants um, and refugees and much of it has been connected through this refugee investment network, um, a group founded by John Kluge, an investor, entrepreneur, and activist, um, who's really been active in this space and, and bringing folks together. Um, they've issued a new report that catalogs um, these various blueprints that can really serve as, a, as, a, as models for a Biden administration that has signaled a reset on immigration, um, and, and particularly around bringing together public and private capital to solve really one of the biggest challenges of our time. Here's Kluge uh, from a conversation we had earlier this week. I mean, if, if there was ever a time for this kind of work to accelerate, um, it would be now. And it's not just because of the changing within U.S. government administration either. Um, it's also because we're starting to actually see a track record in this field. Dennis, what are some of these prototypes? So there's a lot of different types of uh, what we would call prototypes. There's funds, there's business models, there's startup companies. Um, one we profiled this week is CIF's Global Displaced Persons Fund, um, which has a multi-region focus, Central America, uh, East and West Africa, the Balkans, and Bangladesh, um, but is really providing capital for entrepreneurs that provide jobs and products and services to the forcibly displaced and their host communities. Another is a model like Ajilo Verde, which is working with indigenous communities to redevelop the pine resin forest, at the same time build lasting incomes and wealth for communities um, so they won't be forced to leave. Um, and then there's companies like Bogota-based FinTech Baliu, which is providing um, financial services and mobile financial services to unbanked migrants on the move. But really, you know, as, as much progress as there's been, there needs to be more risk-taking from investors, more risk-reducing capital, um, and there needs to be, John says, more financial st structuring and more replication of what's there. I don't think that this market builds itself like any underinvested market um, or underinvested thematic. Um, so it's going to require some very intentional efforts on the parts of investors and, I think, additional intermediaries. So as you heard, like the, these models, you know, these models are there. The fund examples are there. The companies exist. 
Um, and that's really the opportunity, frankly, for the Biden administration as it, as it looks to reset and invest in solving this problem, as well as impact investors looking to take on a challenge where there's a lot of opportunity. Dennis, thanks so much for your reporting on this. Thank you. Now it's time for this week's Agent of Impact. The death of Tony Shi this week got us looking back at his ambitious effort to remake a forgotten section of downtown Las Vegas. When she launched the Downtown Project in 2012, you could almost see the tumbleweed blowing down the streets. Fresh from selling the shoe retailer Zappos to Amazon, she moved the company downtown and poured $350 million into the blighted stretch a world away from the Las Vegas Strip. The Downtown Project has invested in 50 small businesses, from restaurants to toy stores, as well as 50 tech startups located in the area. It seeded arts festivals, residential housing, and an early education center. There's a fair amount of hype around the Downtown Project, and critics said it was over-reliant on real estate investments. Much of the 45 acres it has acquired downtown remain undeveloped. Many of the memorials this week cited Zappos' customer-obsessed culture, which was widely emulated. His placemaking ideas have also gained broader traction. She was effectively doing Opportunity Zones before Opportunity Zones existed. Steve Case launched the Rise of the Rest initiative to invest in emerging communities in 2014, but she had already beaten to the punch by two years. He eschewed top-down master planning, instead inviting residents and businesses to co-create a community. That was his ultimate metric, return on community. She passed away this week at the age of 46. You can see she and all of our agents of impact on Instagram at Impact Alpha. That's gonna do it for your impact briefing this week. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Dennis Price and our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the FinTech company, LiquidNet. Make sure you check back for the next impact briefing. Till then, take care.